0: This is Tanay Modi with episode 4 of Murder Curry on Killer Kupbosami. Today's episode features necrophilia and rape, so listener discretion is advised. The case presented today is sourced from news articles and a book called The Unfathomable Lives. vanity revenge loneliness boredom all apply lust is the least of the reasons for promiscuity this pandemic really has taught us all something but while too much of anything is bad there are something so bad that there should not be any of it at all especially like the sort of crimes that kupasame desired to repeat deranged unsound and unsympathetic are just some words that you can describe Kupusami with who raged on a murder spree lasting only 85 days but claimed more than 20 plus victims. This meant that on an average he committed murder every once in 5 days. It could have been George R. R. Martin's worst plot twist. But through a looking glass, holding Kupusami's whole story, a pattern of not just one, but multiple factors arise that could have driven Kupusami to the serial killings. On 9th April 2009, he executed his first kill. A spasm of heavy day drinking had overpowered his already existing poor judgement as he had also been clinically diagnosed as mentally ill. Around 5 p.m. that day, he saw a girl near a shop and suddenly veered with an uncontrollable lust. He followed her till they reached the deserted part of the road, densely covered with trees, where the girl sensed that the stranger was coming a little too close to comfort and started running towards a small mud path on the side of the road. But the agile Kuppusami, who was slim and around 5 in height, caught up to her and pushed her down and put his hand over her mouth to stop her from screaming. He took the rope he had been carrying and forced it around her neck, he then strangled her and performed necrophilia on her. After that, like a dark spin-off of Cinderella, he went back to pick up the footwear which fell on the path while she was trying to evade him and put it on her. And of course, it fit perfectly. After having been caught already in some attempts of brave before, this was his first success. He gained confidence and was overwhelmed with his personal achievement, at the same time developing a bigger and an intense craving for it. And so he went back to satisfy the adrenaline of his first successful kill by performing necrophilia on her again. The state of hypersexuality of Kupusami gets clearer when getting caught didn't have much effect on him but rather, he strategized to use a rope as he realized that the only way to fulfill his desires was to first silence the victims. And after the first blood, Kupusami grew only more compulsive. For him, killing became equivalent to the sudden itch to rub your eyes. Once you start doing it, you can't stop. But like a mandrake, way before Kupusami even set on this journey of brutal murders, the seeds of evilness had been planted in the bot. His story reads more like a terrible script of problem child. In 1973, in an uneventful village in Tamil Nadu called Kunampati, Vadivel and Velamal are blessed with the second child, Kupusami. At that time, more than just plodding, the village was also poor. Wadiwal managed a small business of harvesting the outer layer of coconut called Kaur. He was the sole breadwinner of the family until his first son and Kuppusami's elder brother, Kulanthavel came of age and started to earn for their family. While Kuppusami and his younger sister were given proper education, his elder brother was entrusted with rearing the cattle and doing petty jobs to earn the daily wage from the start. They lived in a city called Karur, which at that time was a place engrossed in agriculture and profound for their textile exportation. And vicariously exploiting the exportation industry, the people of the city had found a new way to make large profits by traveling in the exporting ships to Andaman and hit it big with the almost quadruple amount of pay they could receive there compared to Tamil Nadu. And not long after, the money-making scheme had been shouted out and everyone from pubescent kids to the elderly started going there to earn. Koposami was studying in the 7th standard just when his elder brother decided to go about this path as well. Though consecutively, the duty of rearing cattle came on the head of Kopusami, and thus he had to drop out of the school. The young Kuppusami was now in the front seat of responsibilities and started earning by doing petty jobs too. Of all the instances which were going to seem perfectly thriving in this city, Kupusami's childhood was not going to be among them. Stubbornness and constant demand for treats endured in him from the start, which for a child could be quite normal, but his father didn't put up with his behaviour and became abusive towards him. And before a 10-year-old Kupusami could have had the proper grasp on the situation, this became a regular matter. Gradually, the young Kupusami grew more disconnected and upset from his family. So much so, that one day when his father punished him, he tied a noose from the roof and slid his head into it. The chaotic and relentless murders that took place around 25 years after this incident wouldn't have come about if it wasn't for his mother who came into the room hearing the rumbling sound and pulled him down from the noose. Some would mistake this as an emotional impulse of an unsound child, but he really wanted to break free from his family and so after a few weeks he attempted again by running away from his home, but this endeavour remained unsuccessful too and he ended up coming back. Moreover, his father had an ill temper which went far beyond his son. Vadevel would have constant quarrels over land disputes with the village people. The word spread of a stingy behaviour and one day he got into a huge quarrel over the disputes which led to his whole family being ostracised and developing an anger against society in the young Kuppusami for this shunning down of his family. But this was just the start of the road where there were bigger unfortunate accidents ahead for Kuppusami. Just as rabbit dogs are the result of irresponsible owners, how anyone or anything is made to function is determined by what made them act in such a way. Speaking on logic, even when T-800 snapped his famous dialogues, it must have been something coded into him by someone. Later on in his confessions, Koposami said that his dreams were filled with murder, blood and screaming. Though he would still reminisce about his experiences and would never share the nightmares with anyone and in the morning He said those thoughts would be gone From this we can say that later on when eventually he got caught and the adrenaline from the murders finally shot down the feeling of guilt might have actually kicked in and Kuppusami would have started to absorb the gravity of his crimes because as it is in almost all of his cases there is just brutal and mindless violence. Another example of his unprecedented behavior can be taken from an incident that happened in June 2009. Around 10 on one hot morning in Puthampur, the 36-year-old Kuppusamy got drunk again and came in a mood for wickedness. He got fixated on a woman standing near a shop and thereby giving in to his psychopathic tendencies, he followed her around and when finally he noticed that she was in a secluded area, he parked his moped on the side of the road and followed her on foot. By this time, Kupusami had developed a drill and that was to buy a new rope beforehand, scout for women, stalk the victim and throw the rope away after performing the deed. This way, he would get rid of the murder weapon, and thereby remain uncovered. The unsuspecting 70-year-old woman he had been following entered a farm, and Kuppusami followed. Even before she could notice him, Kuppusami followed his farm drill. However, things went sideways when the old woman screamed and he noticed a few herdsmen coming, and thus he fled the scene after stealing her ornaments, leaving her bruised and battered, but alive. Though, just on the same day, right after this incident, the dissatisfied Kuppusamy came back to Putampur, and not one to stray away from his emo, he had some more drinks and got fixated again on another woman he saw there, and started following her on his moped. When she made her way down a secluded road, Kuppusamy sprang back into action and tightened a rope made of core around her neck. Asphyxiated, she fell to the ground and Koposami dragged her to a sugarcane farm nearby and got content of his impulsive cravings he couldn't satisfy earlier that day. Again, he stole the ornaments and drove off in the city to sell them for a sum that he would use to sponsor his alcoholism and gambling. From the growing years in the story, when Koposami turned 15, He planned to leave for Andaman to find work, but his bad luck struck again when one fine day he climbed on top of a palm tree and fell. He had to be hospitalized for two weeks as he had sustained injuries on his head and hips. It wasn't certain if there had been a change in the pattern of his behaviour as it is normally in cases of trauma to the head, for which impulsive behaviour, egocentricity, lack of empathy, depression and much more are some of the many problems associated with it. A study found that among serial killers and mass murderers, at least 40% of the lot had suffered from head injuries. Some of the famous ones include Edmund Kemper and John Wayne Gacy, Jr. When Kuppasamy felt normal and good to go after this incident, he left for Andaman and would live there for the next eight years. He stayed with some relatives of his village who had been residing there and started working at a construction site. The move to this island can be considered a stepping stone in his grisly story. Within a year, Kopposami was familiar with not only the island but the women residing on it as well. He gained experience with few of his co-workers and prostitutes galore. In the course of a year and a half, he already had a relationship with a young married woman. But life struck for him again as during this time he met with an accident at the site. Iron pipes had fallen over his right leg, severely injuring it and putting him on bed rest for the next year. Just as he recovered from it and was back to the grind, he discovered that Chinna Ma, his childhood friend and future first wife, had also come to work on the island. Over time, they kept meeting and developed feelings for each other, and in 1995, when Koposami was 22, he asked her to marry him. As the bond was resisted by his family at first, it angered Kupusami, and he again showed a symbol of rebellion against them and married her anyway. So eventually, his family had to accept the relationship, and following that, they went to Port Blair in Andaman, where they started living together in a rented small room. In the progression of their marriage, Kopusami grew very emotional, controlling and possessive in regards to Chinnamma, but inversely, their marital life gradually grew unstable as even after years of trying to conceive a child, their efforts remained seedless. During one such instance, Chinnamma finally did conceive, but unfortunately later miscarried. Distressed by his importance, Kuppusami would go to prostitutes behind his wife's back to lay off the steam, but would always be possessive of his wife and the matter of her fidelity. The irony of the situation followed Kupusami after the issue with the person next door happened. One evening, he found his home empty, and when he came back from work at night, he inquired his wife about her absence. Frightened, she hastily gave an excuse that when she went to use the common toilet in the building, the guy who was staying in the room next door forced her inside by pulling her hand and then locked her and left. She heard Kuppusami call her name a while later, but was afraid and remained silent. Enraged, Kuppusami slapped Chindama as he couldn't believe his wife's excuse for not answering him and called it petty. Moreover, the man in question who was staying next door suddenly vanished too. This issue was brought to the village chief and he asked Kuppusamy to settle the case by collecting money as compensation. Though the punishment wasn't enough for Kuppusamy and it took it up with some policemen he knew from around the area. At the end of the day, Kuppusamy still remained dissatisfied as all the police did to settle the commotion was to make him and Chinnama slap the person and then it was over. And so this unsettling incident remained at the back of Kuppusamy's head like a persistent thought. Over time, the couple had numerous quarrels, and gradually, after getting sick of them, Kuppu grew a habit of heavy drinking and even started to abuse Chindamma. After decades of living in Andaman, the duo decided to settle down in their village. After very well, Kuppu father was diagnosed with cancer and later passed away. He had to be put on expensive treatment, which eventually led the family into financial crisis too. But the clouds hanging over Kuppusami seemed persistent to leave as weeks after this, the couple broke into a spiteful argument which resulted in Chinnama leaving Kuppusami. A miserable Kuppusami tried to convince her to come back home, but all his efforts were in vain. One of the times he went to convince her, Chinnama approached the village panchayat and got him fined for going near her. Frustrated, Kuppusami went back to his old ways and started drinking heavily. But the heavy blow to Kuppusami's mental stability was not even after all of this, Chinnama suddenly married another man, but within a year she also conceived with a new husband. This irked Kuppusami more and he developed a vengeance against his once beloved wife. He plotted her murder and even tried four times, but failed in these attempts. These failed attempts at murder were just a sign that Kuppusami's mental state had finally snapped, and it wasn't long before his family caught on to his traits of heavy depression, unstable behavior, addiction to substances, and suicidal tendencies, and took him to a mental hospital. The hospital authorities were assertive in admitting him and advised for professional care, but the lack of funds forced his family to bring him back home. As an alcoholic, Kupusami hardly spent any of his time sober. Being out of work, he spent many evenings just wandering around being intoxicated. One evening, he saw a woman in the forest and suddenly the thoughts of holding her and having sex with her overwhelmed in him. Not having two pennies to rub together, he couldn't even satisfy his desires with prostitutes. So filled with an intense craving of aggravated lust, he forced himself on her, as he thought it was the only possible way of fulfilling his needs. The woman frightfully screamed during the struggle, which brought a crowd of people to the scene, who ended up beating Kuppusami and taking him to the village head. However, this didn't affect Kuppusami as it wasn't long before he was back at it again. He attempted rape twice in the following weeks, once with a woman of the village, then with his cousin's wife, but was caught both times and was taken to the panchayat. It is pretty evident that later on, whenever he spilled the blood of a new victim, he was murdering his wife again and again in his head. His vindictive nature gets clear when he becomes revengeful after failing to bring his wife back to him. Being depressed after this and still craving a vibrant sex life brings light on his fits of hypersexuality. His sexual behaviour at the murder scene sometimes involved repeated necrophilia, which evolved from his need of being controlling and to escape from his self-knowledge of impotency. Though his wife leaving him was the biggest trigger in the life of Kuppusami for the killings. Back when they were newly wed, he would request Chindama to wear a red sari he liked very much on her. Koposami specifically recalled a couple of his victims' dress colours in the confessions. These were the only incidents in which he recalled the colour of the victim's dresses. On the 5th of June 2009, he drank his usual brandy and with a wicked scheme in his mind, bought a heavy black rope and kept it in his moped. While riding around, he stopped to glare at a woman wearing a red sari and started scheming in his mind. Waiting patiently for an opportunity, when she walked alone to a pond nearby, Kupusami came over and strangled her from behind. Just when he was about done with her, he heard some people nearby and hurriedly started taking off her ornaments. But during his little impulse of greed, the people came too close and he almost avoided capture after he ran towards his moped and fled on it. Just the next morning, Kupusami cashed in the stolen gold ornaments and rode around on his moped. In the afternoon, before consuming a generous amount of brandy, he bought a nylon rope and again went around scouting for victims. He saw a woman around the age of 50 wearing a maroon colour sari, and again reminiscing the memories of his wife, he got attracted to her. Call it a result of being drunk or just clumsiness from being overconfident, he realised that he forgot to take the rope from the moped and thus when he got to her, he had to strangle her with his bare hands. In another incident, he once lost the key to his moped while he had gone to claim a victim. The flat-footed nature of his murders was what became the end of his murder streak. On the 2nd of July 2009, Kupusami, customary to his modus operandi, drank brandy. On the road to his village, he saw a woman close to the age of 35 and started stalking her. She could feel his coal eyes on her and started walking faster, turning and looking at him every now and then. But this didn't stop the despicable Kupusami and he calmly parked the moped and followed her on foot. Nearing her, he took out a rope and tightened it around her neck. Though the woman fought back heavily and blocked the rope with her hand, but it got stuck between her jaws. Kupusami panicked and tightened the rope harder, which made her jaws bleed. The woman started screaming and the herdsmen nearby came running to her rescue. Frantically, Koposami ran away as fast as he could, but with the people running right behind him, he couldn't pick up his moped. Though Koposami evaded the crowd and eventually reached home, he knew that his cover had been dropped when the neighbors said the police came searching for him. They were asking around and looking for the owner of the moped they found at the site of the rape attempt. Witnesses from the area from the previous incidents reported to the police about the presence of a man riding around in a moped. By this time, the police were clear about the involvement of the moped rider in these murders. And with the same vehicle in question being found at the recent site, they were certain that it was the owner of the moped who was driving the town nuts and they had to pull his brakes. The police started a search for Kuppusami, who had been planning for an escape. On 21st June 2009, he was standing at a bus stand and was just about to get on a bus leaving for another city when the police rained on his parade and arrested him. Now being screwed tight with the police, he confessed to all the crimes and told them about the non-reported murders too. In a way, he was more cooperative to the police on the non-reported murders as these families claimed that it would bring dishonor on their family name if they attested to the crimes. The curtains closed on Kupusami when he was sentenced to five consecutive life terms for the proven murder of five girls and immediately was sent to jail. But life in jail was just as null and void for him as he developed suicidal tendencies not soon after and had to be put in a separate cell with a psychiatric medication in a short order. What's interesting is that for people with mental unbalance, they only act on what their natural instincts tell them to do. With an uncontrollable urge and rather no ulterior motives in their mind, they are ironically the most natural and unnatural forces of human nature that exist at the same time. With Kuppusamy in jail and alcohol forbidden to him, we can at least be assured that he won't go around cracking open cold ones anytime soon. Well, that's all I had for today. This is Tanay Modi signing off. See you next time.